Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Whether you're thinking about Sunday supper or planning this week's meals, I do hope you love listening to this show. Every weekend, you'll hear recipes and tips and some fun food discoveries with great advice and inspiration from our team of experts and chefs, food lovers, cookbook authors, mixologists, health gurus, trendsetters, sommeliers, and more, because it is my goal to feed your soul. So I hope that you will dive into the culinary world with me because I cover it all on this show and you'll find out what's new and delicious every week. It's sort of like eating and drinking and learning and growing like you've never done before. Because to me, the next best thing to eating food is actually talking about it. Now, I do hope that you've checked out chefjamie.com as I'm always serving up seconds and that you've become a friend on social, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find me at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I think we should get this party started. So I kick off this show every week with a lesson, a tutorial of sorts. And seeing that winter seems to be lasting so very long, I am holding on to comfort food. And I believe we should all be in grilled cheese heaven. That's right, because a grilled cheese is not just a grilled cheese. I mean, it's the first meal that most of us learn to cook at home and by ourselves, other than cereal, of course. It's the perfect midnight snack or soup dipper. It's great for kids, but it is never turned down by an adult. And it's that salty, gooey, crispy, buttery goodness that is comforting in all the right ways. Grilled cheese is a simple concept, but there are wonderful ways to craft the ever-popular sandwich. I mean, from additions, like I make a pulled pork grilled cheese, and I love to add pesto sometimes, or blistered tomatoes, to toppings, whether you're a brown mustard fan, or uh, you like to dip in a good bowl of tomato soup. There are some secrets to the ultimate grilled cheese, so I'm sharing my best tips and my favorite recipes. Now... You know, before you even bite into a grilled cheese, whether it is going to transcend you or not. In a really good one, I think the cheese slowly oozes from the edges and the face of the bread is even golden brown with that crisp crust where it's sort of flaky and the crumbs, they should land on the counter you're standing in front of or over the plate that you're eating on. Now, I love food history, so you should know that recipes for cheese and bread are mentioned in ancient Roman texts. It goes way back. And the French have been making their famous croque-mesure since the early 1900s. But today's notion of the grilled cheese is only commonly traced back to the 1920s. Because the Iowa man, who is considered the father of sliced bread, invented a bread slicer that made distributing white bread easy and affordable. And then shortly before that, processed cheese was patented by James L. Kraft, who revolutionized the pasteurizing process so that cheese wouldn't spoil when it was transported long distances. Now, in 1949, Kraft Foods introduced Kraft Singles, 
But the term grilled cheese does not make an appearance in print until the 1960s, 11 years later. Now, the grilled cheese has come a long way, baby. So let's talk cheese. A grilled cheese doesn't just work with any old cheese, really. You have to have a good melter. And that cheese must have great melting characteristics. Now, dry, crumbly, fresh cheeses, like goat cheese, for instance, does not melt properly. But I love it. I love the tart, lovely, flavorful addition that it adds to a grilled cheese. But it's my secondary cheese. And there is a conduit or a good melting melting cheese that starts first. And I've been known to mix two or three cheeses for fabulous flavor. Some of my favorites include, uh, let's see, uh, the uh, French Gruyere or its cousin Comte. Um, I love... Uh, an Italian cheese like Taleggio. Oh, and Brie is beautiful in a grilled cheese. And then the classic supply, like American and Young Cheddar. Because as long as it melts well, it has a place in your sandwich. Now, the harder cheeses, as we spoke about, or the fresh cheese like mozzarella, um, even Fontina, by the way, is a good melter, uh, but it takes a little longer. Those, again, are those secondary cheeses that you add after that first brilliant melting cheese. And then let's talk bread. Aside from having to be sliced, the only other rule for a grilled cheese is that the bread can't be too perforated with air bubbles everywhere or the cheese drips out and that would be a horrible loss, don't you think? And the bread can't be sliced too thickly. If you slice the bread thick, I think that you lose the ratio of cheese to bread. So I love a grilled cheese on challah. I was raised in a Jewish household. Uh, it's an egg bre- bread, of course. Um, brioche, the brilliant buttery kind works well too. Um, You could use any traditional old American bread or a good sourdough is delicious. And a grilled cheese is a great way to use up old bread because the grilling process actually resuscitates it a bit. But most importantly, when it comes to a grilled cheese, we must talk caramelization. So I was in Chicago last week at the International Houseware Show, and I was cooking up a storm. And one of my demos was how to make the ever simple yet insanely perfect grilled cheese. And it is an art. And these are the tips that I shared. You want to, number one, cook the sandwich low and slow. Whether it's in a saute pan on top of the stove or on your favorite griddle, you can't rush a grilled cheese. I say medium heat at most, watch carefully, and look for maximum melt and crispy bread. Now, some chefs like to cover and cook. So, number two, if you cover your sandwich during the cooking process, you will lock in the heat. And the cheese does melt faster and sometimes more evenly. But I say you must remove the lid before any condensation begins to form on the top of the lid or you will have a soggy grilled cheese and nobody wants that. And then number three, you must press, flip, and repeat. I use a spatula to press down on my grilled cheese sandwich and I flip, then I flip again because I really want to ensure that the bread is crispy and caramelized all the way through. But my most important and best secret, are you listening, to a great grilled cheese is mayonnaise. Yes, you heard me right. Mayonnaise instead of butter is my secret weapon. Because mayonnaise spread on the exterior of both sides of your grilled cheese sandwich gives you a higher smoking point than butter in the pan. And it it creates an incredible crust 
I just started uh, salivating, so I lost my words. And it locks in the moisture, that mayonnaise, as well. And the cheese ten- tends to stay gooier, and the bread gets so crazy crisp. And yes, mayo is the clandestine chef's best trick for the humble grilled cheese. And so now you know. I mentioned brown mustard as a dipper earlier. I love tomato chipotle jam too. I make a pulled pork grilled cheese. It's a great way to use up leftover meat. But I'd love to know what your best addition or dipper is. And if you want to spread the wealth and share my best grilled cheese tips, I will happily send them via email. So let's dish. Write to me. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. And I don't know what you're having for dinner tonight, but I'm having a grilled cheese. All right, it's time for food news. This is fun news, actually. Did you know that Coca-Cola has a new flavor on the scene? Oh, yes. It's orange vanilla Coke. And when I heard about it, I had to get my hands on a can. It also has, by the way, this new Coca-Cola soda flavor, a fun new update. There's this bright orange streak that covers uh, the top of the can. It's made in orange vanilla Coke and orange vanilla Coke Zero Sugar by Coca-Cola. And let me tell you about my taste test. It is so delicious. I tasted hints of bright orange and smooth notes of vanilla. And if you've ever loved a vanilla Coke then I have to say, it's just as good and a great way to switch it up. And if you want to try it for yourself, you can check out the Coca-Cola website to find a store that is carrying it in your area. Orange Vanilla Coke and Orange Vanilla Coke Zero Sugar are available now. Hip, hip, hooray. That's right. Now, you wouldn't want to touch your dial because there's lots more fascinating food news and information to share. Coming up next, Allison Day is stopping by and she's brought her modern lunchbox because lunch is all new. Don't touch your dial. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and we'll be right back. There's fabulous food in your radio. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. It's an Amazon number one new release. From the acclaimed cookbook author and award-winning blogger Allison Day comes Modern Lunch, a collection of recipes that celebrate the joys of a midday meal. It's the new lunchtime hero, really, if you're time-strapped or budget-conscious or maybe even salad-fatigued. Allison is taking us on a feasting journey inspired by fresh flavors and ingredients, her travels, and pretty minimal effort. Meals in jars and lunch boxes. Don't you love it? Modern Lunch proves that a delicious, exciting, inventive lunch can be achievable for any appetite, 
And Allison is going to spark a little office envy from your friends. Yes, she is the creator of the Taste Canada award-winning food blog, Yummy Beat. And this is her third cookbook. She is here to dish. And I'm glad to have you, Allison. Congratulations. The book is beautiful. Thank you, Jamie. I'm yes. so happy to be here today. Oh, thank you. Um, I loved reading in the introduction that you wrote about the thrill you remember feeling when you discovered what was packed in your school lunchbox. Because I remember that feeling too. And my mom raised me single-handedly. And when she made lunch at like two in the morning, Allison, she was hungry. So my sandwich always had a bite taken out of it. Oh. <laughs> Don't yeah, you love that? Yeah, that's, that seems um, like a real mom thing to do. When my mom was packing sandwiches for us, she would have kind of a... a um, like conveyor belt method for all of us. And I remember her snacking on some cheese as well. Yes. I think it's a treat for the moms. (laughs) I think it is. But that's the inspiration behind the book for you is that you really are enamored with lunch. I am. Yeah. I think it is a forgotten meal or an underappreciated meal. And Mm. I think um, modern lunch really celebrates that and makes it the star of your day. Yes, I agree. Okay, let's talk meals in jars, please. I love a mason jar. I love a mason jar for everything. I mean, storing a vinaigrette in the refrigerator that you can just shake or layering a salad or, you know, filling it with Sharpies and wrapping it with a ribbon for my desk. I mean, I think the mason jar is so multi-purpose. Um, but you make a whole multitude of good stuff in a mason jar. Um, talk lunch for us starting there. Mason jars of all different shapes and sizes are a really lovely, efficient, and beautiful way to transport a meal, um, a meal like a salad, um, whether that's grain-based or, or noodle-based or lettuce-based. And you can really layer um, your dressing, uh, your protein, all of your vegetables in there um, in a really artful Yes. fashion, beautiful way, you, right? shake it up and put it in a bowl and have a really awesome, filling, healthy lunch that is never soggy or stale or boring. Yes. And it goes to school. It goes to work. It, uh, <laughs> I've been known to eat a mason jar salad in the car, you know, yeah, long, long fork, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can absolutely just dive in there, which is so great. And there's no spillage in your bag and everything is kind of layered in a way that um, makes it uh, fresh for yes. longer. Yes, which is so smart. Um, your nine-layer salad with lemon curry dressing is a step up from the seven-layer salad you talk about. <laughs> yeah, this is a really delicious, bright recipe and something that I'm looking forward to making when mm. it gets um, a little warmer here yes. um, with spring produce. And it starts with a base of Lemon curry dressing that you mentioned, which is creamy. It has yogurt, olive oil, curry powder, mm. some garlic, black pepper, lemon juice. It's really simple. Nice. And I layer that with um, fresh peas, uh, radicchio, kind of all of my favorite vegetables. It's a little bit of a celebration of that. And I put some cheese on top, um, pack a little lemon slice in there, and take it to go. It's really great. You can also add protein if you have some of that left over. It's adaptable and delicious. Yeah, really smart. You talk and we'll get to it. We we need to talk meal prep at some point. But there is a wonderful way of making layered mason jar creations using leftovers. I mean, if there was shrimp le- uh, dif- ready or finished from dinner last night, leftover, I should say, or chicken or otherwise, I'd throw some of that in there and make it 10 layers. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Um, 
it's super adaptable and yeah, whatever you have, whatever goes and that you love. Um, I think that is the most important part just about lunch in general, just eating something you love will get you excited about a homemade lunch and packing it. For sure. Um, Okay, let's talk um, just add water, as you call it. This is a theme throughout the book, and it is very smart. So your instant warm Moroccan couscous salad is made in a jar, but it needs, uh, whether it's hot water from the spigot at the sink or uh, the water fountain or a kettle, right? This is one Mm -hmm. of those hot lunches that is ready in minutes. Yes, absolutely. Um, And to add to that, even if you're working in a coffee shop, you can grab some hot water and add it to this jar. So it starts with couscous is so brilliant because it just rehydrates in a minute or Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. So it has dry couscous, um, tons of different uh, vegetables, some Moroccan flavors like orange juice or orange marmalade. Mm. Um, You can use harissa paste, um, which is readily available now. Yes. Um, And I really love it. I do Uh, too. Crunchy bits with almonds. And you add that all to a jar with some chickpeas, grated carrots, and hydrate it at lunch with um, about half a cup of water. You let it sit and you toss it up and enjoy. I just think that's brilliant. And I love the sweetness of you ask for currants or raisins and Mm -hmm. the sliced almonds for crunch. And -hmm. you have texturally and healthfully and flavor-wise just a boost of flavor. And it does, like you said, come together in 60 seconds. So, I mean, voila, hot lunch. So, so, so smart. Yeah, I yes. really love that recipe. And again, adaptable to whatever you have. Of course. And staying on the Just Add Water theme, um, you do a miso sweet potato and soba ramen for a portable lunch. Yes, I'm a huge ramen fan. Mm. This is kind of cheaters ramen in a way, <laughs> but um, it's also a vegetarian ramen, which is kind of fun. So nice. you don't have to take a big pot of bone broth or anything like that over a couple of days because I know it's quite an involved process to do it at home. So this just creates that um, ramen feel with a broth concentrate, I call it that, Um, and it's made with sweet potato, uh, miso, vegetable bouillon, rice vinegar, ginger, sesame oil, and you blend that up. It's really thick. You put that in the bottom of a jar or your container and layer on noodles and roasted vegetables and a little soft-boiled egg or a jammy egg Mm -hmm. and rehydrate that with water. So a way of bringing soup with you right. or eating it at home without kind of uh, the soup sloshing around in your bag and spilling everywhere because you don't uh, you don't add the water until you're ready to eat. Yeah, but the concentrated paste is brilliant. Do you do that in any other application? Um, I don't. Um, but when I make when I make a thick creamy soup, I do tend to lean towards something a little bit thicker, and then I can just adjust it to. Um, using a curry um, with coconut milk or anything like that. So that's another way you could definitely use it um, to kind of change up the flavor. Allison, if you would please pause there. We'll take a quick break when we come back. More Modern Lunch right after this.
We're back and we're dishing. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, the author of Modern Lunch, Allison Day, is here. Okay, let's talk meal prep. So (laughs) you spend, call it today, planning and preparing for lunch this week, right? Yes, yes. I find really works for me and it works for a lot of people if you're um, busy Monday to Friday. And this is really where I find my friends or or my partner, they they have the kind of, they have a block around this. (laughs) And really it's just, you know, taking an hour or two to prepare some staple recipes that you can quickly throw together in a lunch container um, to take with you to work or school or wherever you're going. And it can really be as simple as you want or as complicated as you want. But um, it's about making things ahead of time because mm, lunch is one of those meals that uh, won't really come together unless you make it ahead because we don't have time really to stand up the stove and cook a fresh lunch every day. Sure. Most of us, most of us don't. Um, so taking those hours uh, will save you so much time and so much money if yes. you're getting takeout every day um, to create these lunches that will really last you throughout the week. And how does your lunch prep compare to dinner prep? Is there a crossover in it for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't recommend like uh, buying additional food for lunches. It You should kind of go with your schedule and know the fluctuation of it, what you're having for dinner, maybe buy uh, an extra couple of sweet potatoes. Sure. Um, yeah, so I kind of dub up and will repurpose certain things for dinner or breakfast. And yeah, they go hand in hand because I think the way we're eating now is less kind of sandwich based. There's no sandwiches in <laughs> Like no, I and, and I know from reading through it, Jeff says he doesn't read a cookbook for sandwich <laughs> recipes, right? Yes, yes. that <laughs> is my, my uh, long-suffering partner. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I think that obviously a sandwich is great and I love them, but um, I think we're really turning towards more grain bowl type of, type of meals or mm-hmm. interesting salads and soups, um, even for, for dinner. So really there's no rules, um, but... Yeah, so I guess there's crossover for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Def- definitely. So talking about a contemporary lunchbox, as you call it, it's very on trend. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. require an actual lunchbox, although I think I might want a throwback lunchbox because that just sounds fun. Um, but any, yeah, any, yeah, any container will work, right? Absolutely, yes. Any container, literally any container that doesn't spill. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. spill. So make, um, if for us, if you would, your lemon roasted potatoes, chicken, and spinach and assemble it so that I could uh, take it with me tomorrow. So this one I photographed and styled in a way that was visually compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of, it was inspired by... Greek cuisine and those like gorgeous, really creamy, crispy lemon potatoes that you get in restaurants mm, and yes. tzatziki, which I just can't get enough of. Me um, too. Yeah, it's so good. Um, just a simple spinach salad and some poached chicken. So for this, I would use a bento box or you could layer it in just a container that is not divided. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with the sweet potatoes and the protein, which here is chicken. And separating that from your spinach and your tzatziki, which you could carry in a little mason jar if you have a really small one or a small snapping container, just so things don't get soggy. So the idea is kind of to pack this plate, but inside of a box without making it um, kind of muddled. 
So right. by the time you're eating, everything is still really fresh, and you can kind of pick and choose from from what you want, or just mix it all together. I, I love I love the idea of compartmentalized. It is very bento box like, and for mm-hmm. me, I want a bite of the spinach salad with a piece of the chicken, and then I want to indulge in the potatoes and dip in the tzatziki. And there is something very feng shui to me about the bento box and all the different flavors, right? And how they can mix and match and come together. And you give all these wonderful ideas in Modern Lunch for seasonal DIY lunch boxes, whether you throw together a kale salad with apple and goat cheese and then mix it, you know, with your protein of choice and some uh, low-carb cauliflower rice, which you do with portobellos and cilantro. Gosh, does that sound good? I, I, I love all the yeah, combos. Yeah, you can really go anywhere um, as long as it's appealing to you. And opening that at your desk is just the opposite of a sad desk lunch. It just kind of <laughs> is colorful and vibrant. Yes. And I, 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 too, love to just kind of pick and choose what mm. I feel like for that bite. Yeah, because I don't really want my own plate of food. Oftentimes, if, if we're dining out, I, I will tell you, I want a bite of everybody else's. So that's what yeah. a bento box does, right? It's like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I, I think that's perfect. Um, how about lunch at home? You make a sheet pan Persian lemon chicken that I cannot wait to, I'll give you credit, but, uh, but I can't wait to duplicate. Oh, wow. Yes, of course. I'll let everybody know this is Allison's recipe, but yeah, (laughs) you can give your own little spin to it. Exactly. Um, So sheet pan meals are so popular for a reason because they're super easy and the cleanup is great and the flavor is always really banging and delicious. Um, this one uses, uh, potatoes, sweet potatoes and regular potatoes. It's spiced up with cinnamon, cardamom, Mm. And, um, yeah, garlic, lemon, olive oil, sumac, um, a whole chicken, which I cut up, which is a really kind of economical, great way to eat good chicken. Um, and that's all roasted. You top it off with baby spinach at the end, which kind of wilts, but also stays fresh, which I really like the texture of, Mm. um, some yogurt, pomegranate seeds and pomegranate molasses. If you have it on hand, if not, you can use some, um, reduced balsamic vinegar, um, and yeah, it's a it's a really delicious lunch served at home or packed to go, and you can serve it cool. That's a proper picnic if I ever heard one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, definitely yeah. so. It's like the new fried chicken for your picnic. Yes. And I keep pomegranate molasses in the pantry at all times. That's actually the base of my favorite chicken marinade. It's so, so flavorful, and I love its sticky, kind of sour, sweet, bitter texture or yes. bitter flavor. It's it's delicious. It yeah. is delicious. And I love it as a drizzle. So I will try that. Uh, before oh, I let great. you go, uh, describe the Modern Lunch Club and inspire us. So let's say we want to get a group together on this Modern Lunch bandwagon. How do you suggest we do it? I like to think of it kind of as a potluck um, mm. where everyone can bring something uh, yes. out, out of the book, I have some menus that I've created that are kind of um, that kind of create a lunch around a theme. Um, so that's everyone bringing a dish to lunch, and you can have all of these different components on your plate, and that's really special and exciting, and something mm-hmm. great to do with friends or colleagues. Or there's another option you can do for a modern lunch club is have one person cook um, for the entire group once per week. So then the next week you're not cooking and you're getting this delicious lunch with different recipes that someone else made for you. And it's a really great way to engage with your community. 
um, your friends, your colleagues, or, you know, if you have a book club, it's, it's really fun. I, I love to take it on the weekends um, to entertain at lunchtime. I think it's a great way to just bring people together. It definitely is. It's a wonderful, friendly way. And you give some success tips. You say, make it a Monday, because that tends to give those that are cooking the weekend, right? And do consider everyone's dietary restrictions, taking into account what everyone eats, and keep it simple. Absolutely, yes. It doesn't need to be elaborate or complicated. Um, Yeah, keeping it simple is great. And sticking to a budget um, is also super helpful for everyone, so everyone can get involved. Yeah. Um, something else you can do if you are doing this at work um, is to have some lunchware there, which just I think that's really great to do even if you're not doing a lunch club. Just having a plate and a fork um, available for you when you're mm-hmm. having lunch. I think food just tastes so much better than eating out of a plastic container if that's all you have. I agree with you. And and I love the inspiration. And the book is beautiful. It's Thank inspiring you. and aspiring and your recipes are dazzling, and the photography is lovely, and it's not a hack on the lunchtime game. I have to tell you, you have upped our game. So thank you for (laughs) being inventive. Oh, awesome. That's what I love to hear. Yes. Thank you for for talking about the book with me, Modern Lunches. Yes, of course. Of course. We're going to... I'm proud of it, and I hope everyone enjoys it. Oh, you should be, and we're definitely sparking a little office envy. There is no doubt. Uh, The the new book released from acclaimed cookbook author and award-winning blogger Allison Day will have you totally rethinking lunch. There is no doubt. It is a number one new release on Amazon. And the book is, of course, available on Amazon and everywhere entitled Modern Lunch. You can follow Allison's culinary escapades at Allison Day Cooks. And you can follow her blog, of course, at Yummy Beat, spelled like the vegetable, dot com. Allison, come back soon. I'd love to have lunch with you again. Oh, I will. I will be here. Okay, yes. good. I look forward to it. As the Thank delicious you. conversation continues, and there's more to eat right after this, so please don't touch your dial. Chef Jamie Gwen, be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Okay, let's dig in. The news that a plant-based diet is the healthiest way to eat is no doubt continuing to spread. And Dr. Michael Greger's first book, a New York Times bestseller entitled How Not to Die, presented the scientific evidence behind the only diet proven to prevent and reverse some of the causes of premature death and disabilities. Well, now the How Not to Die cookbook is putting that science into action. So it's time to incorporate more fruits and vegetables, tubers, whole grains, and legumes into your diet because they might just save your life. 
Dr. Michael Greger is here to dish, and I'm glad to have you. Hi, Dr. Greger. Hello. So happy to be here. <laughs> I'm very thrilled to have you. I hear a sound in the background, and just before we uh, began talking, I know during the break I asked, what was the ticking? Are you on the treadmill still? I am, of course, <laughs> on the treadmill, 17 miles a day. 17? Yeah. Well, Unbelievable. Yeah, I, just, I have a treadmill desk, so yes. I can just work on the treadmill, yeah. I think that's fabulous. And tied into um, a, a brilliant diet of, as we know, plant-based ingredients, um, we can certainly live longer and healthier. So uh, to kick off the conversation, can you please highlight your what you call daily dozen? Sure. Yeah. I, um, you know, in, uh, in How Not to Die, the first half of the book, I, I, you know, it's 15 chapters. On each of the 15 leading causes of death, talking about the role of diet may play in preventing, arresting, or reversing each of our top 15 killers. But, you know, I didn't want it to just be kind of a reference book. I wanted it to be kind of a practical guide on, you know, making kind of day-to-day grocery store type decisions. So that's what became the second half of the book, where I center my recommendations around a daily dozen checklist of all the healthiest of healthy foods I encourage people to try to fit into their daily routine. So berries every day, the healthiest fruits greens every day, the healthiest vegetables, a tablespoon of ground flax seeds, a quarter teaspoon of turmeric, talk about the best beverages, the best sweeteners, how much exercise to get every day, in hopes of just kind of inspiring people to make uh, some of the healthier choices to crowd out some of the less healthy options. Sure, and of that daily dozen, you get them all in every day? Well, that's the, that's the goal. In fact, there's a free app on iPhone, Android, um, where you can kind of track your progress and check off the, you know, I, you know, check off all the portions and see if you can, uh, see if you can nail it, um, and how many days a month you can do it. I mean, look, when I'm on the road, you know, in some airport food court somewhere, I mean, it's lucky I can get, you know, half the check boxes uh, checked off on the day. But look, when I'm home and I have, you know, control over my diet, I do mm-hmm. try to not be a hypocrite and uh, <laughs> and eat a healthy diet. I actually think it keeps you uh, responsible and, you know, living up to the goal when you can track your progress that way. I find it, I almost make it like a game, right? If I get all my steps in and uh, I feel motivated the next day to continue to reach new heights. Yeah, it's about accountability to yourself. Yes, uh, you know, um, that it is. And, uh, and you know, and, uh, you know uh, I, I mean, the reason that the Daily Dozen came about was, you know, I would, uh, you know, I'd be, you know, be digging through the, you know, medical library and find some amazing new, uh, you know, study about the beneficial effects of, you know, uh, of, of legumes or something, beans, flippies, chickpeas, lentils, and be like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't eat any beans today. Or I didn't, you know, <laughs> I find out something, oh, yeah, flax seeds, those are so good. Right. Oh, did I eat any, you know. Um, and so I had all this healthy food, but I just was, you know, I don't know, just, just wasn't thinking. And so I was like, all right. So I put a little white, like a little whiteboard kind of thing on my fridge, and put little boxes, and be like, "All right, did I get my beans today? Did I get my berries today? My greens every day? Did I get my cruciferous vegetables every day?" You know, um, and so that's how that's how it all kind of started before it was a little more formalized. And you're big on dates too, the edible, delicious kind. <laughs> yes, yes, um, absolutely, and also beneficial as well. In fact, I just did a, a new the, the videos aren't up yet, but I scripted a new series of videos on dates. Date and uh, pregnancy and delivery, crazy. And you can show remarkable things like accelerating um, uh, uh, stages of delivery by literally hours, uh, decreasing rates of induction, having to use these 
drugs like Pitocin to kind of artificially accelerate, huh. lower C-section rates, really exciting things, all just dates. So it's not Fascinating. just uh, a nutrient-rich sweetener. I mean, right. that's what we're missing with sweeteners is they have no nutrients, basically empty calories, right? So, oh, here's a way we can get nutrients, but beyond just nutrients per calorie like blackstrap molasses and dates, sure. beyond that there are actually kind of medicinal benefits that have been attributed to date consumption. How smart. Dr. Michael Greger is ensuring that we will live longer and healthier lives. He is the physician behind the trusted and wildly popular website, nutritionfacts.org, the author of the New York Times bestselling book, How Not to Die, and the new release, the How Not to Die cookbook with 100 recipes to help prevent and reverse disease. You can also track your daily dozen using his free app, Dr. Gregor's Daily Dozen. It's G-R-E-G-E-R. Dr. Gregor, it's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you for the insight uh, and the health tips as we kick off this new year. Um, it is always a, a good goal to live longer and healthier, and uh, and I am following your lead. Fantastic. Keep up the good work yourself. (laughs) Thank you very much. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of what I hope you thought was informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit for this weekend. Have you ever thought to think outside the nacho box? I love nachos, but I really can't be that indulgent all the time. So my new thing is my version of what I call healthy snack nachos. Inspired by nachos, of course, they have a Middle Eastern twist and it's a super simple twist. There's no cooking required and it's really fiber rich. So I take whole grain pita chips with a little bit of sea salt on them, your favorite pita chip, and I arrange them on a plate or a platter. Then I dollop my favorite lemon rosemary hummus all over. I top it with halved cherry tomatoes. Sometimes I go for a little bit of avocado, being a California girl. You could do sun-dried tomatoes, uh, Kalamata olives, dollops of pesto, maybe a drizzle of tahini, and you have what is the most delicious healthy snack nacho. It really does take a pita chip and hummus to a whole new level. And I will post my healthy snack nacho recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. I'll encourage you to check out chefjamie.com for more recipe inspiration. And I will meet you here next weekend when I promise there will be lots more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Bye.